We're still talking about planning. This morning, I want to talk to you about the principles of planning according to Jesus. How many of you know there had to be some planning? Do you realize it took God 4,000 years to get Jesus in the earth? Now, that's planning. Now, Jesus gave us the most simple yet the most powerful ways of planning change. Jesus understand change. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus understand change. Now, throughout this lesson and throughout the whole series, I'm going to keep reminding you of some of the basic principles. And remember, the two most consistent things in life are what? Time and change. Hallelujah. Change is coming to us all, and the only way to manage time and change is through planning. So the most important thing you will have to consider is how I will handle time and change. Because this will determine what happens to your life. The key to being successful in managing time and change is you and I initiating and planning the change. Why? Change is going to happen with or without our participation. So you might as well participate and make a difference. Amen? Therefore, we can say that your success or my success in life is in our own hands. No one is exempt. Look at your neighbor and say, no one is exempt from dealing with these two things. No one is exempt from dealing with time and change. No one is richer in time and no one is poorer in time. We all, say we all, are given the same 24 hours. So nobody got more time than the other. It's how you handle it. Write this down. Your dream is only a dream until it has a plan. You can dream of the type of life you want, but until you wake up and begin to plan how to get there, it is only a dream. There must be a plan to match your dream. Once again, I would say that the secret to life success is effective management of time and change. So planning is the most important principle of success in life. People are destroyed. They're angry. They're bitter in life because they didn't choose the kind of life they wanted. So they're old and bitter or the young and bitter. They're just not restricted to the old. Now listen, we were created by God to live life and not allow life to live us. And the only way for us to live life abundantly, according to the word, Jesus said, I came to give you life, how? Abundantly. Is through, is for us to control life. You are in more control than you realize. Hallelujah. So what is life? Life is simply a series of changes through time. We can look back over the last three years in our nation and see how our lives encounter massive changes. Changes in government, in people, ideologies, their philosophies, economics, everything begin to shift and change. And whether you were ready for it or not, you went through it because it came. 
might want to write this down. You don't have it in your note. If you don't have it in your notes already, you might want to write this down. Say it after me while you're writing, though. The only key to regulating change is planning. And then I'm going to keep right on reinforcing this. I want you to write it down as many times as I tell you to. Why? Because the more you hear it, the more it'll become a part of you. Now, let me talk to my young people for a moment here. I got some young people in the room, and I got some listening. I, I, I want to talk to you because you're still young enough to make a difference. Don't count yourself out because you're under 20. The younger you are, the easier it is to start. Some of these older people have already been fixed in their ways, and it's more difficult for them. Don't you make the same mistake they did. Wait until you get 40 before you do something different. That's crazy. So let me talk to you. Sit down right now when you go home and put it right in the plans for your life. If you're born again, you can write a note. If you can write your name, start writing a plan. What do you want from God in the next five years? What do you want God to do in your life as a young person? Where do you want to go when you get out of school? What do you want to become? Write it down. Don't, don't be like your parents that didn't do it. They didn't know it. Then set some boundaries in your life as to who you want to become. Do you want to be like old uncle so-and-so who can't think from one day to the next day? Is that who you want to become? Because if you don't plan, you're going to end up lacking. Because life came at him, and he had no plan for life. So young people, the younger you are, the easier it is to make this transition. But you got to decide. And so but why? Because you go, as you study your Bible. Now, I know my people in here, they study the word. My young people in my church, they study the word. And because you study the word, God will give you ideas in his word that will transform your life as a young person, that will make you rich. Mm. So start writing your plan. Because inside of this word is everything. And God will reveal to you that your life, how your life will turn out. But your life is going to turn out by the things you choose today. See, you think your decision as a young person doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Because you're shaping your constitution, how you're going to be as an adult. And you're not going to be any greater as an adult than you are right now as a child. People said, time will change. No, it won't change you. You got to change. Time doesn't change situations. Oh, Jesus. So listen, you can plan to never, listen, I'm going to give you some ideas to put in your planning. Your planner. You can plan to never have children out of the way. Like, you don't have to follow the same path as your ancestors just because they missed it. You can plan never to smoke, drink alcohol, not have sex before marriage. You can plan that I'm not going to be a thug. I'm not going to be a liar. I'm not going to be a cheater. I'm not going to do drugs. And I'm not going to be broke. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to be 40 and living in poverty. See, you can decide that right today. Start teaching your children that. Encourage them at home. They don't have to grow up like you did. 
They got a different a place they're coming from. And as a Christian parent, you ought to encourage that. And I don't care who in your family failed at it. I don't care. You don't have to fail at life. You do not have to fail at life. And don't let nobody teach you their failures. Bragging on their sickness and all their failures. Leave that trash alone. That's right, Pastor Diana, talking about your kin, folks. Leave it alone. Because it will destroy your dreams. Mm. All right, that's for my young people. Now, your written plan can preserve you from the evils of this world. Because, man, I'm going to tell you, look, look at Proverbs. Look at Proverbs chapter 1. Because sometimes we, we kind of overlook the young people. No, they're included. When, when our kids were growing up and we had a faith project, we included our kids in it. Because their faith is just like my faith. If they're born again, they don't have a different kind of faith. Put that together. I mean, man, your house, will, things will happen so quick because children don't have all the issues grown people have. Hallelujah. You need them in there. Proverbs chapter 1, look at verse 4. Look at verse 3. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. To give subtlety to the simple. See, the Bible calls to the young man knowledge and discretion. He calls you simple when you don't adhere to wisdom. And look at verse 5. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. So you, you, you got a benchmark there. Now go down to verse 8. I'm helping y'all this morning because I don't want my young people to think they left out. Because you're not. But you got you to get in the will of God. You got to desire God just like the grown people. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. See, you got to learn how to listen to your dad and mom. Now you say, well, I, they don't know everything I want down there. Get that mess out your mouth. They already been you. You better hear somebody. I mean, you, you can't even buy your own shoes right now. What's wrong with y'all talking about you can't hear your parents? What? You be having a sign, and it won't be a wonder. <laughs> I'm telling you, uh-uh. Look, look what it says that when you embrace the wisdom and the counsel. Now, if your father and mother are not born again, and sometimes you and you and you are, you might have to ask the Lord to help you. But never disregard, because I found out even when your parents aren't born again, they still have some wisdom about life that you don't have. And you should never dishonor them because you think you're smarter than them. Because you're all techie. And they may not be as techy as you, but you still ain't got common sense. I know a lot of techy people and can't, they just can't. I ain't going to say what I would think. They just can't. That's all you need to know. <laughs> 
He says, look at verse 9, for there shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. My son, look at verse 10, if sinners, I remember when we had our children, they had to learn this whole first Proverbs, and I know to kind of put you in memory done the son, because they used to have to quote it for uh, chapel in the morning. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. It says you don't have to go along with what's happening to that. If, if your sinful friends come up and ask you, your buddies, you know they already messed up. And if you don't want to be like them, he says, don't follow them. Don't consent to that. If they say, look at verse 11. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. They tell you, look, let's go rob a bank. Let's go do something done. Let's go steal a car. Let's go in the, in the store and steal some candy. It says you better have a head on your shoulder. Because you might be the one to end up in jail or shot while they get away. Mm -hmm. Look at chapter 7. Look at verse 6. I know because I, I, had, I had to come to my young people because sometimes they think they outgrow the parents and they don't. Chapter 7, look at verse 6. And I mean, I, I, was, I was just as surprised as you, but the Lord laid y'all on my heart, so I got to teach to you this morning. And uh, chapter 7, verse 6. For at the window of my house, I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones. Somebody said the simple ones. I discerned among the youth a young man void of understanding. See, he talked about, see, that if you can be void of it, that means you can have understanding. You don't have to be dumb to life. Passing through the street near her corner. What corner? The corner where the hoochie mama lives. Y'all know who a hoochie mama is. I ain't going to call that because they might, they might flag this, this on YouTube. But I'm going to call her hoochie mama. I think that's safe enough. And she's standing on the corner waiting for a simple man. That's void of understanding. See, that's why you got to plan your life. Because I told you before, if you don't plan it, somebody got to plan for you. Watch what it says. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And they see, that's something they work the most. They don't like coming in the light because they're going to sleep during the day. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet are biding out of her house. See, mm. <laughs> I could go and teach a lesson on that, but we're going to go there. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth and wait at every corner. So it tells you how, how you can see the book of Proverbs tell you how to look at life and plan not to go that direction. Make a plan so you can bypass that corner. You don't have to go to that corner. But if you don't have a plan, somebody can entice you. Come on over here. Come on over here. Because you live a life without purpose. That's how a lot of your ancestors, my ancestors, and including some of the saved people in this room, that's how we got trapped. Because we had no plan for our lives. We were living it moment by moment. All right. There is something about writing down your plan to succeed that will keep you in check when you are being challenged. Ooh, Jesus. 
You must have something written to compare your decisions to. As you develop, even though grown people, as you are developing spiritually, as you are developing and you have to make decisions, all of us have to make decisions. Nobody's exempt from making decisions. Even babies make decisions. They can't express it or verbalize it the way you and I, but they're making the decision. You know, I watch my grandson often do something. His dad and mama say, J.J., don't do that. And he'll look and see who's watching. See, he's deciding. When that, that eye is letting me know he's thinking whether or not to do it or to do it. So all of us make decisions. But you need a plan that you can bump your decisions against. Why? Every decision you make will either have consequences or benefits. They all, it always comes with something. Your plan will become your protection. Mm. Why? Because a plan doesn't only tell you what you want to do, but it will also tell you what you don't want to do. Oh, Jesus. All right, let's talk a little bit about the steps in the process of planning. Now, I know I already know right now that I'm not going to get to them all this morning, so don't rush me. Turn to Jeremiah 29, 11. I already know, said Pastor, I already know that she's not going to get to all of them today. So calm down. <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 11. We quote this quite a bit. When you have it, say, I have it. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. So what did we just learn in that verse? It says that this verse tells me that God himself is a planner. God's strategy for guaranteeing my future, your future, our children's future, is planning. Huh. You can't have an expected end without a plan. You don't know how it's going to end out if you, don't, if you don't have a plan. It's kind of like when, you know, you have a surprise party and somebody says, Surprise! You didn't know it was coming. But that's not the way life should be. You should know how your life will end up. Because God is a planner, and you need to be one. God said, I already know your future that I planned. I created it. This is what we're talking about in Jeremiah 20 and 11. God also knows that he needed a plan to get you to your future. He could not present future to you without a plan. What's the point in having a future and you don't know what your future is supposed to do? So God is a planner. Because God understands this right here. God knows that planning is required to reach a destination. You must have a plan. Hmm. Oh, Jesus. God gave us a brain and the gift, say the gift, of imagination so we could participate in creation through planning. See, we're supposed to bring our imagination under control so we can plan like God. 
and speak what you want. Plan what you want in your life. Don't let nobody talk you out of what God has put in your heart as a plan. If you got a plan, say, you know what? This time next year, I want to be, I want to live in this kind of house. It is doable. You can say, I want to be out of debt. It is doable. But you just can't keep it in your head. You got to put it on paper. Now it becomes a reality. It's on paper. See, we reason we don't value what's written on paper because we so we violate contracts so badly. That's why the word of God has a hard time registering inside of you because you 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 violate a contract in a heartbeat. You're gonna be late no matter what. Paying your bill. If you got the money in your hand, you still gonna be late paying it. See, we violate contracts that we don't even value our own with God. Because your plan is a contract between you and God. God says, write it down. And if I okay it, I back it. He just sealed it. If you don't give it to him, he has nothing to work with. Listen, animals do not have the capacity to plan. I know society today has tried to make animals humans, but they are not. Have you ever seen a dog sit down and plan his future? You ever heard a dog say, I believe in the next five years I'm going to go to the theme park and I'm going on all the rides? <laughs> Animals live by instinct. <laughs> they have a built-in ability to respond or react, say react, to a circumstance. But they can't reason and plan. But you and I can. We can create the circumstance. In fact, the dog can't eat without one of us. We are the only creatures on earth who has power to not live by reacting. We can design our response. You don't have to get angry with your wife because she says something. You ain't got to slap your husband because he says something wrong. See, no, you didn't design your response. You just let things happen. And everybody's living with it. Okay. God made us like him. We are in the God class, and our ability to plan separates us from the animal class. This ability makes us extremely, say extremely, valuable and important. Because that puts us in the God class. It is better for you to change a plan than not to have a plan. Plans can and may change, but purpose is eternal. Ooh, Jesus. You need to write that one down. Plans may change, but purpose is eternal. Your purpose is your destination. The plan is a route to get there. Okay. Imagine yourself going to Greenbrier Mall, all you shopaholics. You know. 
You got money in your pocket. Your boo said, take the credit card and have at it. Now, there are many roads to get to Greenbrier Mall, right? Depending on where you're coming from. Now, let's say on your way to the mall, there was an obstruction or an accident. You know, that's liable to happen, especially if you're coming over there, over that bridge, right? And you had to make a detour. Somebody say detour. The detour does not cancel your trip to the mall. You simply find another way. Because we ain't carrying the money back home. Life is that way. When you encounter obstructions, don't turn back. Find another way. <laughs> That's what you do in planning. Obstructions can be many things, like getting pregnant and not being married. Okay, you made a wrong decision. Don't kill the baby. Go another route. God got a plan for you and the baby. Don't get off the highway to your destination because you, you experience detours. Find another way. Who am I helping anybody this morning? Look at Proverbs 2018. You know, the old saying said, well, where there's a will, there's a what? You got it. That's what I'm talking about. Proverbs 20, look at verse 18. Okay, why didn't you switch when I told you to switch? <clears throat> Proverbs 2018. Every purpose, or we can just eliminate the word every, purpose is established by counsel, and with good advice, make war. Huh? Lord Jesus. Now that, that's, a whole, that's a whole thing right there. I'm going to tell you the truth. When I begin to study that, I'm going like, okay. This says to make plans by getting counsel first. You don't make good plans off the top of your head. Because you're going to leave something out. The reason we are a teaching church is so that we can help you plan your career, your marriage, your child rearing, your future. Ah. Teaching is supposed to aid you in your planning. I know you didn't think it like that. To give you insight into the affairs of life. Then you are supposed to take what you are being taught and apply, say apply, to your life's plan. I am not saying that you can't hear God for you, but there are things that God has preserved for your pastors to teach you. Now it is up to you to hear the counsel. However you turn, however, if you turn a deaf ear to it, you will experience unnecessary, so unnecessary obstructions and, and downtime that might even take you off the road to your destination because you ignore counsel. Because you devalued something I'm saying. Mm. 
when you are in an anointed teaching environment, please know that the person you are looking at, hey, is grace to be your pastor. Or else I wouldn't be here. I didn't call me to do this. So we are to make plans by seeking counsel. And if you're going to get into a fight, because they're talking about a war in there too, obtain guidance before you start. Look at 1 Samuel 17. It's the, you know, uh, I'm learning that we pick fights with the devil that we, we don't, we're not equipped to win yet because you don't get no guidance on it. Chapter 17, let's begin with verse 1. Now, this is the account of David. I may not read all of it. When the, the Philistine army, you got great big ugly Goliath out there threatening the, 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 Israel, the Israelites, the army of Israel, and Saul and everybody scared. They're hiding back, and, you know, they're trying to find somebody that would sacrifice their life and go out there and fight Goliath. Because that's basically what they're asking somebody to do. The whole army wouldn't go out because Goliath told him, said, I'm going to, I'm going to, he said, and then y'all, y'all coming out. He said, I'm going to take all y'all by myself. Well, I mean, what would you think? He almost 10 feet tall. That, that is kind of daunting, isn't it? <laughs> to look up at a 10 foot guy. I mean, I know how it is, but I got to look up at Brother Joe. <laughs> Can you imagine him being 10 feet? You do feel like an ant. <laughs> and if he raised the leg high enough, he might stop you. So, you know, this is what they were looking at. But David had a different view. I just want to point you to the passage that I'm, I'm speaking from. David did not go out to fight Goliath as an experiment. He went testing the waters. Jesus, help me. Before, say before, David faced Goliath, he had practice, say practice, at fighting with his hands and a slingshot. He had already had experience. And see, what we do a lot of times, we try to write a plan, but you need experienced people to help you in life. And will you ignore your mama who done had five, six babies, and you, can't, you, you ain't had but a half of one? but you turn a deaf ear to the council. And then when your child starts giving you problems, then you want somebody to fix the child. No, we need to fix you. You're the issue. You'll read Dr. Spock, Spook, Spat, anybody else's book, but the Bible and get sound counsel. And then when your children go astray, you don't know what happened. I do. It was you. Because you wouldn't listen to anybody. He says David had experience. How did he get the experience? By going into the battle and doing the little stuff. They said, attend the, attend the sheep. He was attending the sheep. The lion came after the sheep. He says, okay, I, I, I'm anointed to keep this sheep. So if I'm anointed to keep the sheep, that means I can kill this lion because it's coming against what God told me to protect. Okay, we got us a fight. I win. When the bear came, he did the same thing. He grabbed him by the throat and killed the bear. I'm going like, whoa, David. Mm. 
like they had you on my team. See, this preparation or planning allowed David to go into the fight with confidence. Somebody say confidence. If you have multiple things you are dealing with that you brought over from the world or whatever, you know, you got money issues, you got relationship issues, you got children issues, you got health issues, you, you don't know which one to start with. This is why you need to come to church. This is why you need guidance. Because you're going to be trying to fight a fight that you can't win. Ah, oh, Jesus. Because you don't know which one to deal with first. And what happens, you end up just fighting aimlessly, expending energy with no results. And then what you want to give up on God and say, serving God doesn't work. No. You didn't get no counsel before you went to war. Ooh. David had also gained wisdom. He knew that a man with a sword could not stop a rock. <laughs> I thought that was so funny when I wrote that. Because I could see in there. He waved a sword. David said, boom. Gotcha. <laughs> Your sword can't stop the rock. See, how you see these things. Oh, Jesus. And this wisdom didn't come just from mere man. This came out of his fellowship with God and the plan that he had inside of him that I'm going to win no matter what. If I get in a fight, I'm going to win. That was his plan. David never went in a fight to lose. But David had confidence in God, not only in God, but he had confidence in himself because he had proven over time that he could fight. <laughs> so when you get up in the morning, start out with confidence. That this day belongs to you. Look at your neighbor and say, have confidence. When I get up every morning, this is what I say. This is a day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Why? That sets my plan. What plan? This is how I will always start my day because I know obstructions and detours may come, but I've already planned to rejoice, and I'm sticking to my plan. So you can't make me angry, devil. You can't get me out of joint. You can't make me be nasty and mean to somebody. You can't make me be moody because I plan to rejoice in it. And I'm sticking to my plan. Why? Complaining does not cause change in the obstruction. But complaining will affect your vision, your ability to hear, and it will destroy your faith. Mm. Come on, let's do a trial run. Say this. This day is mine. It belongs to me. Ooh, say it with a little more passion. Say this day is mine. It belongs, to me. it belongs to me. This means you must have lived your day before you start your day. Oh, Jesus. I'm speaking those things that be not as though they were. I've already lived my day before I get started. Why? Because a plan is finishing before you start. That's what God did. He taught Abraham how to believe, how to see the end from the beginning. A builder can't start building your house until, say until, 
you show him the what? Finished plans. He can't build just from your brain. You got to show him some finished plans. God needs some finished plans so he can construct your house. All right, look at Proverbs 21. We're going to close in just a little bit. Proverbs 21. You're learning. Look at verse 5. Our God is a God of plans. Proverbs 21, verse 5. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but everyone that is hasty only to want. So it says, the thoughts of the steadily diligent tend only to plenteousness, but everyone who is impatient and hasty hatens only to poverty. So people without a plan automatically, automatically becomes poor. You're going to always live beneath what God designed for you. In other words, you planned your poverty. You said, no, I didn't. I don't, I don't get enough money. Who, who's stopping you from getting more money? I got to work this kind of job. I, I didn't finish high school. Who stopped you from finishing high school? You had an obstruction. Can you go back to school? Can you do school online? Can you buy some books and read it? Then you can change your dynamics. You can change your economics anytime you want to. We blame society for how we chose. So by not planning profit, you play in poverty. You are the way you are because you didn't plan differently. So stop blaming people. You are the way you are because you didn't plan differently. You can start today. Somehow we think things would just work out. Things don't ever work out, but they will work you out and wear you down. Whether you succeed or fail depends on the plan you have or don't have. Your success is waiting on a plan. Planning is more work than working. You will spend more time in planning than you do in working the plan. Oh, Jesus. That's how important the plan is. God did more planning than it took to get Jesus here. Because he had to plan through all that stuff. Also in this verse we just read in uh, Proverbs 2 and 5, we see that the word haste. You cannot or should not go into life hastily. Don't rush to do something. Don't let nobody tell you, you know, it's on sale. Go buy it now. And then you get home and you don't like it and it's hanging in the closet and you never wear it. And because it's on sale, you can't take it back. You're either going to give it away or throw it away. Mm. Never do anything hastily. All right, let's define planning. Are you ready? Woo, Jesus. Planning is the management of the distance between your conception and your destination. I say it again. Planning is the management of the distance between your conception and your destination. It's going to come clear. Let me keep talking. Planning is the management of the distance between your birth and your death. 
Planning is applying purpose to time. Time is present anyhow. Planning is giving that time purpose or meaning. Planning is documented proof as to how that time will be used. It is when you document or write a preconceived determination of how you want to use that time. In other words, planning forces you to put in writing how you will use time. Mm. What you are saying by writing the plan is time you are going to be used for this and you are not going to tell me what to do. I'm telling you what will be done. That's what your planning does. You tell time what you're going to do. Time won't tell you what you should do. Whew. Hallelujah. Planning is giving meaning to unused time that is motivated by a clear sense of purpose. Okay? Right now, this is, t right now, tomorrow is time you haven't used yet. Okay. What will you do with tomorrow? It is unused at the moment. What will you do with the 24 hours that will begin 12 o'clock midnight? Have you already determined what that 24 hours will be in relation to your life purpose? Oh, man, Jesus, help me, Lord. Ah. Everything, every day, every day, although we have many things to do, we must plan to do at least one, say one, one thing that will move us closer in our assignment in life. Planning is planning the use of resources, not just time, but resources. Your resources are time, energy, talent, gift, relationships, money, House, car, fuel, food, children, husband, wife. These are all resources. How are you going to use them? Oh, Jesus. Now the paper on the stick. Planning helps you regulate them so you never misuse a resource. See, listen, if you are the one in your family that always bailing someone out of their financial dilemma, you're misusing your resources. Ooh, they got scary. Especially if they don't want to listen to counsel. Everything in their life, I've said this before, is urgent care. All they want you to do is react to their poor planning. That's a waste of resources. They won't plan correctly because you are their backup. What would happen if you died today? They would still live. And they're going to have a place to eat, to stay, and something to eat. They just make you their source because they're poor planners. And you're afraid to say no. 
you're going to stay broke. Because you're mishandling a resource that God gave you to manage. Oh, Jesus. That was just an example. I ain't telling you not to help nobody in your family. Y'all do what you want to do. But when they come back more than one time, we're going to have a sit down. Because I can't keep feeding your house and my house when you don't plan on changing. If you don't want my God, you don't want my God's money. End of discussion. This is called an abuse of resources. Getting ready to close. Time is valuable. You can't get it back once it's gone. When you live a purpose-driven life, you will value time and resources. Did you learn anything this morning? Come on, stand to your feet.